Hello, microbe friends. I'm Dr. Justine Dees, and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to share this show with you. Today, I'll be chatting with Dr. Jonathan Hernandez-Valdez, a scientist working on biodegradation of chemicals at a company called Norion. Microbes have an incredible ability to break down chemicals through the process of biodegradation, which is promising for a more sustainable future. In this episode, we'll discuss the remarkable role of these organisms in breaking down difficult compounds like plastics. We'll also explore how this process aligns with the broader goals of environmental sustainability. As we unravel the intricate relationship between microbes and chemicals, it becomes evident that these tiny organisms are incredibly innovative chemists and essential allies in our pursuit of environmental sustainability. They hold immense potential to transform pollutants into environmentally friendly byproducts, paving the way for a cleaner, healthier planet. So whether you're a scientist or a curious science enthusiast, Join us as we journey through the intricacies of biodegradation and its impact on our daily lives. All right, let's get on to the interview. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks so much for coming on the Joyful Microbe podcast. Hello, Justin. Thank you for inviting me for having an interview with you. I'm so excited to chat with you today about how microbes degrade chemicals in the environment. But first, it's always fun to hear how people get to where they are. So will you tell us a little about how you got interested in microbiology and what your path was to your current role at Norion? Sure. Um, Well, maybe I can start mentioning that uh, I did my bachelor studies in pharmaceutical chemistry. So uh, that's how I um, um, came to microbiology by the first time during my studies in chemistry. So I discovered this world of microbes and then I was fascinated by all the things that microbes can do. So even though that I uh, studied uh, chemistry, I wanted to do something more related to biology, to microbiology. Hmm. So after my bachelor studies, I did a master's in integrative biology and I work with the microbes. And then I wanted to continue, uh, after finishing my studies in Mexico, I wanted to continue learning. So then I uh, did a PhD in the Netherlands, where I live right now, and um, in molecular microbiology. So I um, went more into, yeah, deeper into the understanding of uh, molecular microbiology and molecular genetics. And then I decided to, uh, work in industry, in R&D, so in, specifically in biotech. And after working in biotech and uh, producing enzymes with microbes, it was a, a great job to do. But then I decided to go back to what I learned, so in, in chemistry. And then I found this incredible opportunity of combining chemistry with microbiology. 
which is uh, where I'm working right now at Nurion as a scientist. So what I do is uh, investigating the how microbes can degrade chemical compounds. Well, that's really neat that you were able to take what you learned in your bachelor's degree and then combine that with your interest in microbiology and the skills that you gained from your master's and PhD. Um, so I'm just kind of curious when you were interested in chemistry, but then kind of discovered the microbial world, do you remember exactly like what it was that kind of caught your eye about the, about microbiology? Cause chemistry is just so different. I mean, I remember taking chemistry and <laughs> yeah. it was, it was a difficult subject for me, but it was, you know, something that I needed to understand obviously to get a life sciences degree. So I'm kind of curious how you even came upon that transition. Yeah, so like you mentioned, yeah, in the beginning of chemistry, uh, on, as an undergrad, it was a lot of organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, pharmaceutical chemistry. So, um, but then I remember that I had a class on biochemistry. So it's really into the how enzymes, uh, uh, the molecular mechanism of enzymes, and where does this, uh, uh, do, do these enzymes come from? Uh, so then... Mm. Yeah, we just touched maybe just the surface of uh, what is microbiology. And also in pharmaceutical chemistry, you encounter like uh, all the diseases that are in clinical microbiology and things like that. So that what, I think that, that triggered my attention even more because it was like a field that is really broad. So the microbiology can be everywhere, right? So then <laughs> we find yeah. from biotech, medical, industry, so I'm um, biodegradation, actually. Yeah, it really does tie into everything. Um, so, but I do think that it's neat that you're able to, it sounds like you've kind of tied everything together, even in, you know, going into biotech, studying enzymes that are produced by microbes, but, and now kind of getting even deeper into microbiology through biodegradation, but then actually tying that back to your chemistry background. So that's really cool. Um, can you give us just an overview of your role as a microbiologist at Nurion and sure. how that ties into the chemical industry and everything? Yeah. So maybe let's, uh, I would like to start just mentioning what is actually biodegradation. So biodegradation is actually the breakdown of chemicals um, processed by microbes in the environment. So basically, it's a, a really interesting field that is nowadays uh, very popular because we are in a, in a world with with a lot of pollution uh, in in the in the environment, right? So it's really important that nowadays uh, industry and um, the society takes care of of the impact of yeah our daily um, life habits that we have. So with the aim to reduce the impact of our activities in, the, in nature. Yeah, so and as I mentioned, biodegradation is um, uh, a measure of removing all this uh, pollution and a lot of chemical compounds and their impact in ecology, nature and natural environment and waste management as well. So what I do as a scientist at Nurion is uh, what we do because we're a team. So, we investigate how um, 
some chemical compounds are degraded in the environment. But also we do a screening of uh, chemical compounds that will be used in the formulation of many products um, uh, to see if those products will be degraded in the environment. So the goal is that uh, industry of um, users can use products that have a lower impact in, the, in nature. So um, by using chemical compounds that are biodegradable, then th those products will be uh, disappearing in the environment through the time, thanks to the action of uh, microbes that are present in, river, in, uh, in rivers, in water, in soil in the water treatment plants. So basically that's what, I, that what, what we do. We investigate the, the impact of those chemical compounds in nature, but we also try to find alternatives for those uh, chemical compounds that are used in many different products. Hmm. Well, that's really fascinating. So you're, I just think that's so interesting to think about that I mean, first of all, just the idea that there are microbes out there that can degrade <laughs> the different yeah. co compounds that we develop. I mean, some of them are synthetic, so it's like the microbes have never seen them before. Exactly. I guess I would under that, that's how I would understand it. So, so it's kind of amazing. I mean, are there ever cases where there is no microbe that can degrade whatever synthetic chemical? has been developed. Yes, for sure. And I think that uh, that's also really interesting that you mentioned because, um, as you said, there are some uh, synthetic products that you wouldn't expect that they would be degraded in nature. But mm -hmm. I think that microbes have evolved for so many years that um, yeah, natural selection makes them uh, able to degrade uh, compounds that they have never encountered. So by just increasing the, the concentration of these chemical compounds, um, yeah, microbes evolve and adapt yeah. to, the pre to their presence and they can even use them as a substrate for energy and um, yeah, as a carbon source and energy source. So they can grow based on them. That's really interesting. And also, so, as, yeah. as you mentioned, it, what also can happen is that there are some compounds that are really high, highly toxic Mm -hmm. So um, the problem is that they kill bacteria and then it's not possible to, mm. to um, degrade it. And that's quite interesting because that's what is called persistence. So chemicals that are persistent in the environment are those ones that take longer periods, uh, days, months, or even decades in the environment. So they have a, a higher potential to build up in the environment. So those kind of compounds cause a toxic effect. So that's really um, an important category of chemicals. How do we know if those types of persistent chemicals are in the products that we use? Yeah, so that's a really uh, um, evolving um, uh, situation. So basically nowadays, well, not nowadays, because for instance, in the European uh, uh, regulation, so there was in 2007 um, a regulation introduced that is called REACH. And for, ex for instance, this regulation um, obligates the industry to demonstrate the safe use of substances, so chemical substances. And since then, there, there have been developed some um, 
um, testing methods for demonstrate that some chemicals can be degraded uh, in the environment. And the ones that are not degraded in the environment, they get a category of persistent. So those kind of chemicals are not um, allowed to be produced at a certain amount. Uh, yeah, are not able, uh, mm. yeah, basically are not uh, allowed to be producing higher amounts. So I guess if some microbes can evolve to eventually have the ability to degrade some compounds, is anyone working on trying to evolve microbes to degrade those persistent types of chemicals? Yes, of course. And I think that one of the best examples for this is um, plastics. So we know the big problem of plastics in the environment in the ocean, in the rivers, everywhere. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of research going on and trying to find microbes that are able to degrade plastics. So we have different type of plastics depending on the kind of chemistry. So carbon-carbon backbones or um, yeah, like polyethylene, polypropylene, uh, polyesterine also. So it has been discovered already uh, several strains, different microbes that can degrade for instance, uh, polyesterine. Uh, so those microbes exist. So that's quite interesting and mm -hmm. exciting to know that those microbes are able to do that. The issue with that is that sometimes the, the speed for um, degradation is not that high compared to the production, right, of plastics. So then you have like oh, a yeah. out of balance. So the microbes need more time and we need more of those microbes to be able to degrade so much plastic that is uh, available. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really good example too, because it's like the, the, we can have this abstract idea of like a, you know, a persistent compound or chemical, but it's like everybody can easily wrap their heads around plastic yeah. <laughs> and that that's like a big issue. Um, so what are some other examples of chemicals that we wouldn't want in the environment? And then can you explain how microbes play a role in their bio in the degradation? Yeah, so now talking more about the kind of bacteria that is present in the environment, it's um as you can imagine, it's uh, there is a high diversity of microbes there. So but what is known is like fungi, bacteria, yeast are a few of the microorganisms that contribute to biodegradation, but also can be algae, protozoa, uh, that can contribute also to the biodegradation. And there are many different biodegradation pathways. So something that is really impressive is that microbial enzymes can do very difficult chemistry. So they can break a lot of uh, hard backbones, uh, yeah, uh, hydrocarbon uh, uh, compounds, um, yeah, really, um, there is a huge diversity of enzymes that can be, uh, of uh, chemical reactions that the enzyme, microbial enzymes can do. And the source for testing or um, the, the biodegradation of chemical compounds, uh, we take bacteria from the water treatment plant, from river and from the sea. So it's really in, um, just um, microbes from the environment. So actually it's not possible or it's very uh, limited the knowledge of how many microbes are there or the huge diversity that is there because as you 
um, my note, there is not, uh, not all of them can grow on agar plates, for instance. So thanks to uh, new technologies like genomics, uh, you can get to know what microbes are also there, right? So that's also quite interesting to know all the diversity that is uh, present in these kind of uh, sources. So I guess with the, the chemicals that are being degraded, um, <clears throat> that's happening out in the environment and just like the water out, just like in natural environments, but then also that's happening at water treatment plants, wastewater treatment plants. Is is there any, are there any other examples of where someone could imagine that these microbes exist in nature or just in the world where these types of reactions are happening? And then uh, besides the water treatment plants and natural environments, are people having to do this at, at companies where they actually treat the waste before it gets out beyond the confines of the company yeah that's true um so basically what we do uh, when we do a biodegradation testing we use uh, a source of uh, yeah, a mic- um sorry um an inoculum from mm-hmm. uh, a natural from a natural uh, natural source so um uh, we don't take microbes that are adapted to the chemical compounds or pre-exposed to the chemical compounds because what we want to know is if really there are microbes already existing in nature able to degrade chemical compounds. Mm. And the thing is that even though that there are uh, a lot of biotechnology developments for creating new enzymes that degrade plastics or different chemicals, still because they are GMO, they cannot be just released into a water treatment plant to uh, degrade mm-hmm. those chemical compounds. So it's uh, also still a bit of a discussion about uh, if, if it's safe to release those kind of uh, GMOs to uh, in the environment, right? Yeah. It seems like that's the smart way to do it is to create products that are already going to be be, you know, biodegradable by the microbes that exist instead of having to try to create microbes or evolve yeah. microbes that have the ability. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. But so with the 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 natural inoculum that you're using, um, is that from a specific location around you in the Netherlands or is that going to be... I mean, because I guess what I'm getting at is maybe there's microbes in like one country that could degrade the chemicals from a certain product, but then do those microbes exist in a totally other country on the other side of the world? Yeah, you're right. I I think that that's a uh, really interesting question. So basically, there is a, a organization that is called OECD. Is called Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And they develop some guidelines for testing uh, chemicals. And that kind of guideline is a standard in the biodegradation uh, topic. And this guideline determines what kind of inoculum can be used for this testing. So just in short, like for instance, the river has to come from a 
that is far away from an uh, industrial location, so there is no uh, pre-exposure of the microbes into uh, the chemicals, right, that are being produced nearby. So it's, uh, um, yeah, quite, let's say, um, free of pre-exposure for chemicals. And the, the concept is that by testing using this river that is quite um, natural, it allows us to really show if there are microbes already in nature able to degrade. And as you can imagine, and it's also surprising, some of them, uh, some studies that have been done in the USA or in Europe, they show some correlation. So it's really quite mm -hmm. interesting to see that even though that they are geographically separated, mm -hmm. there are some kind of sim similar um, metabolic activities in the from the microbes that, that might be a bit different, but the enzymes might share some, um, yeah, just some similarities. Hmm. And yeah, also so something interesting to also mention is that uh, there is an interesting case of a chemical compound that was introduced in the market. And what it was interesting to see is that after the introduction in the market, a few months later, by just taking a new source of inoculum for a water treatment plant, um, it was found that some microbes were already able to degrade. So that means that just by uh, people using the product um, at home, the water uh, mm. uh, started having concentration of this chemical compound and the microbes in nature just became uh, adapted to their presence. <laughs> so just by a few months later, like six months, if I recall correctly, the product was already biodegradable. So that's also quite interesting to Maybe. see because that's how how it works, right? So how, that's yeah. how evolution, adaptation, and mm -hmm. microbes work. Whenever there there is an opportunity, microbes will be able <laughs> to take it. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> they they yeah exactly. It's like when there's a niche to be filled, the organisms will find a way. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's really interesting what you said too that. The chemical reactions are there in certain organisms, but they're not necessarily the same organisms. Like maybe there's a bacterium that can degrade, and it's a certain species, and it can degrade a certain compound that's toxic, but then there's another one out there that can do the same chemistry, but it just doesn't have the same name. And I think that's that's neat because it really comes down to these chemical reactions that that are what, you know, matters. And and I loved how you talked about that the microbial or the microbes are they have these enzymes that, you know, can do this really difficult chemistry. So mm -hmm. to me, I would think if you were a chemist, you would just love microbes <laughs> like because they can do your job so much better. And if you can just find the right one. Yeah, then... there is a lot to learn from microbes and yeah. that's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So I can see why you, you know, found microbiology so interesting as a chemist because they are the, they're really good chemists. <laughs> yeah. So it's really cool. Um so I guess we've talked a little bit about it, but can you just kind of explain 
how your your work ties into the broader context of environmental sustainability. Yeah, so basically environmental sustainability is um, the responsibility to conserve the natural resources and protect our ecosystems. So basically by taking action into the development of new chemical compounds that are environmental friendly or that can replace persistent chemicals, I think that that's a really good uh, action that we can do. And as consumers, I think that uh, the more that aware that we are of the impact of all the chemical compounds that are in our mm. products and yeah, how those chemical compounds impact the environment, I think that that's really important already to create some awareness. Yeah. I think that's really helpful because we're all consumers and we need to consider these things and consider what's in the products that we're buying and whether the company that we're buying from is considering these these types of questions. So we've gone through biodegradation and um, your role as a chemist and as a microbiologist, but um, – Can you, I know that there are people that listen to this podcast, they are, you know, younger, maybe more, they're interested in becoming a microbiologist. And so they'd probably be curious to hear about what your typical day looks like. So what, what would a day in the life of Jonathan at Nurion look like? Yeah. So I think that what I also like about my job is the quite, um, diversity of chemical compounds that we work with. So first, let's say that we uh, receive a new project. We know, uh, we start investigating what kind of chemical it is. And then we try to figure out what is the best way to do the uh, biodegradation testing. And then, uh, yeah, in the lab as a team, we perform the experiments. So these experiments are uh, according to the guidelines. So or the OECD guidelines for testing of chemicals. And then we keep track weekly uh, the development of the growth of microbes. If there, is micro- if there is growth. If there is growth, that means that the chemical compound is being degraded. So uh, that's a good observation. And also what I do is uh, a bit of um, data interpretation, data analysis, and then uh, reporting the results of uh, all the variables that we test. So we test different um, inoculum, different um, yeah, uh, way of dosing the chemical compound, because as you can imagine, also the way of dosing the chemical uh, has an impact on if microbes will be able to degrade it or not. So that's what is called bio- bioavailability. So if it's available for the microbes to, to reach. And... Uh, yeah, so then we uh, try to make an analysis and also investigating in uh, if there are some studies published about uh, microbes able to degrade these chemical compounds or what can be expected or try to explain the results that we observe. So do you ever have challenges that you have to face and figure out in your research and... If so, like how do you how do you deal with that in your job? Yeah, so um, at Norion in our R and D department, so we are a 
a big team. Also, we have a lot of expertise in chemistry uh, and also in microbiology. So we try to combine the expertise of people for solving these challenges. So as you can mention, as you mentioned, there are some challenges sometimes for some chemical compounds that we have to characterize even before doing the testing. So getting the molecular way, the molecular formula. So we combine a lot of uh, analytical chemistry uh, to first find out all this characterization uh, to be able to do the biodegradation testing. So those sometimes are uh, some challenges that we have Mm. to face first. So to be able to understand if their biodegradation results are really uh, fine or, um, yeah, if our interpretation is correct. Mm -hmm. Well, you described kind of what it looks like to be a microbiologist at Nurion and in Um, biodegradation. But for individuals who are interested in pursuing a career in microbiology, what advice would you offer them? Um, I would say that microbiology is a really broad field. So microbes have a lot of applications. And I think that um, uh, I would recommend to really explore all the options in microbiology. So as I mentioned in the beginning of this uh, interview there is from medical applications from biotech so from environmental microbiology so uh, as a microbiologist i think that uh, there is a lot of opportunities where uh, you can work and uh, i think that when you are studying it's nice to know all the options Mm -hmm. before deciding where do you really want to go to and there is always option to switch right so uh, in my case, I did it from biotech <laughs> yeah. to environmental microbiology. So there is always chance. And um, I think that the nice thing is that you will be always amazed of all the uh, things that microbes can do, that that's a nice trigger to, um, yeah, to pursue or change a career. Well, and I think that's helpful It's going to be helpful for, you know, anyone who is interested in a career in microbiology for them to hear from you because not everyone is thinking necessarily about the, you know, going into industry that route. They may have considered that idea of being a professor at a university or doing research at a university and not necessarily that there is research going on at companies and it can be a very fulfilling career. So I think that's that's helpful to think about. And then also that you can switch, and that there are lots of options, tons of options out there and that it's possible you're not stuck in whatever role you initially choose that there are other ways to go. So that's very helpful to hear about. Yes, absolutely. So um, I'm going to move on to some of the questions that I always ask my guests on the podcast. Um, Do you have anything about your work or um, microbiology that you think many people misunderstand or that you'd like to clear up? Um, I would say that... um Yeah, maybe a good one is that um, chemical compounds are not bad. So chemistry is everywhere, right? So from water is chemistry. So not all chemical compounds are bad. So 
-hmm. when you hear that a uh, uh, yeah, product that you use contains chemicals, that's normal. So the right, I think that the right uh, way to think about chemicals is that the dose is what makes the difference, right? So like, uh, yeah, that's what matters. Like how much of a chemical compound can be at certain amounts toxic. So, but it's normal to have chemicals everywhere. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that that's a that's something that many people are are afraid of hearing that the products have chemicals. So right. I would say that's a, that's not the case. And uh, yeah, and also something that um, sometimes comes is that not all chemicals create mutations. So microbes adapt and evolve, and that's a natural process. But not all chemicals cre create mutations. So by just uh, having chemicals in the environment, that doesn't mean that chemicals will mutate and then create like uh, diseases and become a pathogen, mm. right? Yeah, I think those are both really good points. And I think that it's just like microbes or, you know, people more often think of them as germs or just bacteria is synonymous with bad. <laughs> chemicals are the same way where it's like chemicals yeah. equal bad. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's, you know, if you, when you come to understand that every single thing in this world is made up of chemicals, that it's, it's not, it's just kind of, a lot of people have just used the word chemicals to scare people, I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> and to make them say, like, don't buy this product because it has chemicals in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Indeed. well, everything does. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's understanding that what the chemicals are that are in the product and whether, you know, that's going to have an, a positive or negative impact on the world around us. Yeah. So, um, and then what, what have you learned overall from your work that has changed how you think about microbes in your daily life? Mm. I think that, um, yeah, something that I, um, it's related to the example that they gave uh, before, like that even though that microbes have never been exposed to a chemical compound, that doesn't limit them to degrade it. So that's also something that, uh, it's really exciting to see that even though that something is synthetic, mm -hmm. um, microbes there are microbes already able to degrade it or to deal with them. So that's quite uh, nice to to see. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it really is amazing to think about. It's the the microbes will find a way <laughs> to yeah. deal with whatever it is. Um, Okay, so you have prepared a um, activity for us. So what at-home microbiology activity can you tell us about so we can experience the microbial world in a hands-on way? Yeah, well, maybe as a, um, just to create this awareness of the environmental sustainability and the impact of uh, our chemicals uh, or the products that we use. Um, I don't know if everyone is aware, but Nowadays, there are some regulations that allow some companies to have products with an eco-labeling. Eco so this eco-labeling means uh, different properties, and one of them is biodegradation. 
So there are already some products that have a complete formulation made of chemicals that are biodegradable. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there is some uh, logos that are printed on the product and it says uh, environmental friendly, for instance. So I would say that if you can go to the supermarket and just uh, have a good look at some chemical, uh, some uh, products, try to identify some of them. Or, you know, like sometimes you go to the supermarket and then you just ignore and take the same product all the time. So maybe it's time to see and compare and if there are some or not. And then just check what is in that product so you can see the ingredients and maybe you can see what is different, right? Well, that that's a great idea. Um, so is that, I would imagine that's going to vary based on the country where you live. Is that true? Like the labeling yeah, will probably be different. Um so I'm curious to now to look up like what we have in the United States as far as like eco-labeling goes. Yeah, that's true. I, to be honest, I'm not aware of how many countries have developed this because, yeah, this is a really trendy topic. It's an ongoing uh, topic. And it's uh, the, the awareness is increasing. So mm-hmm. it's really ongoing, all these regulations for uh, eco-labeling. So I know that this existing here in Europe, but uh, I guess that also some other countries will have something at least similar. Yeah, well, it's it's good for you to you know mention it because it'll definitely make make us all more aware of those types of labels and look into which ones we might want to actually you know look out for and. Which ones will tell us if the <laughs> the formulation yeah. is biodegradable? Um, so, do you have any resources on this topic that you'd recommend so listeners can go deeper? Yeah, if if some uh, uh, people is interested in um, reading something about the beginning of this kind of a, a environmental uh, science books would be uh, maybe a Silent Spring. I don't know if you have heard about it. The Silent Spring is a book written by Rachel Carson. And it's really interesting because it's uh, how the environmental movement uh, started in the US. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting book that uh, talks about how the, the research was done to ban the DDT for agricultural uses. So these mm-hmm. pesticides that are very toxic Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of the best examples that exist in uh, in books to talk about environmental problems and um, yeah, I think that is one of the uh, greatest books I think in this topic. Sounds great. Well, um, where can everyone find, follow, and connect with you? Uh, yeah, I can share also my um, link for my LinkedIn and also my uh, Twitter account. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was really interesting to learn more about how microbes are involved in degrading these chemicals. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, yeah, just to finish, uh, I would like to say that uh, we at Norion and in our biodegradation team, we are open for collaboration with different industry uh, universities and people who are interested in the topic so just reach out if you want to uh, yeah just to 
keep in touch. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and a review for the show. And tell a friend. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you will find the show notes and all the links and resources mentioned. If you love Joyful Microbe and would like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a virtual tip through coffee. The link is in the show notes and on joyfulmicrobe.com at the bottom of the page. Thanks again, microbe friends. Talk to you next time.